Welcome back to Ascend Student Ministries Anchored Podcast. Today we are in Luke chapter 7. Luke chapter 7 reads, And after he had finished all his sayings in the hearing of the people, he entered Capernaum. Now a centurion had a servant who was sick and at the point of death, who was highly valued by him. When the centurion heard about Jesus, he sent to him elders of the Jews, asking him to come and heal his servant. And when they came to Jesus, they pleaded with him earnestly, saying, He is worthy to have you do this for him, for he loves our nation, and he is the one who built us our synagogue. And Jesus went with them. When he was not far from the house, the centurion sent friends, saying to him, Lord, do not trouble yourself, for I am not worthy to have you come under my roof. Therefore I did not presume to come to you, but say the word and let my servant be healed. For I too am a man set under authority, with soldiers under me. And I say to one, go, and he goes, and to another, come, and he comes, and to my servant do this, and he does it. When Jesus heard these things, he marveled at him, and turning to the crowd following him, he said, I tell you, not even in Israel have I found such faith. And when those who had been sent returned to the house, they found the servant well. Soon afterward, he went to a town called Nain, and his disciples and a great crowd went with him. As he drew near to the gate of the town, behold, a man who had died was being carried out, the only son of his mother, and she was a widow, and a considerable crowd from the town was with her. And when the Lord saw her, he had compassion on her and said to her, Do not weep. Then he came up and touched the bier, and the bearers stood still. And he said, Young man, I say to you, arise. And the dead man sat up and began to speak, and Jesus gave him to his mother. Fear seized them all, and they glorified God, saying, A great prophet has arisen among us, and God has visited his people. And this report about him spread through the whole of Judea and the surrounding country. The disciples of John reported all these things to him. And John, calling two of his disciples to him, sent them to the Lord, saying, Are you the one who is to come, or shall we look for another? And when the men had come to him, they said, John the Baptist has sent us to you, saying, Are you the one who is to come, or shall we look for another? In that hour he healed many people of diseases and plagues and evil spirits, and on many who were blind he bestowed sight. And he answered them, Go and tell John what you have seen and heard. The blind receive their sight and the lame walk. Lepers are cleansed and the deaf hear, and the dead are raised up. The poor have good news preached to them, and blessed is the one who is not offended by me. When John's messengers had gone, Jesus began to speak to the crowds concerning John. What did you go out into the wilderness to see? A reed shaken by the wind? What then did you go out to see? A man dressed in soft clothing? Behold, those who are dressed in splendid clothing and live in luxury are in king's courts. What then did you go out to see? A prophet? Yes, I tell you, and more than a prophet. This is he of whom it is written, Behold, I send my messenger before your face, who will prepare your way before you. I tell you, among those born of women, none is greater than John. Yet the one who is the least in the kingdom of God is greater than he." When all the people heard this, the tax collectors too, they declared God just, having been baptized with the baptism of John. But the Pharisees and the lawyers rejected the purpose of God for themselves, not having been baptized by him. To what then shall I compare the people of this generation, and what are they like? They're like children sitting in the marketplace and calling to one another. We played the flute for you, and you did not dance. We sang a dirge, and you did not weep. For John the Baptist has come eating no bread and drinking no wine, and you say he has a demon. The Son of Man has come eating and drinking, and you say, Look at him, a glutton and a drunkard, a friend of tax collectors and sinners. Yet wisdom is justified by all her children. One of the Pharisees asked him to eat with him, and he went into the Pharisee's house and reclined at table. And behold, a woman of the city who was a sinner, when she learned that he was reclining at table in the Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster flask of ointment, and standing behind him at his feet, weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears, and wiped them with the hair of her head, and kissed the feet, and anointed him with oil. 
Now when the Pharisees who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, If this man were a prophet, he would have known who and what sort of woman this is who is touching him, for she is a sinner. And Jesus answering said to him, Simon, I have something to say to you. And he answered, Say it, teacher. A certain moneylender had two debtors. One owed five hundred denarii, the other fifty. When they could not pay, he canceled the debt of both. Now which of them will love him more? Simon answered, The one, I suppose, for whom he canceled the larger debt. And he said to him, You have judged rightly. Then turning toward the woman, he said, Simon, do you see this woman? I entered your house. You gave me no water for my feet, but she has wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You gave me no kiss, but from the time I came in, she has not ceased to kiss my feet. You did not anoint my head with oil, but she has anointed my feet with ointment. Therefore, I tell you, her sins, which are many, are forgiven, for she loved much. But he who is forgiven little loves little. And he said to her, Your sins are forgiven. Then those who were at table with him began to say among themselves, Who is this who even forgives sins? And he said to the woman, Your faith has saved you. Go in peace. For our nugget for today, we're going to focus on this last story that is here in chapter 7 of Luke. Throughout this chapter, we see that uh, faith is a central theme. We see the faith of the individual in the first story, who is a Gentile person, that being surprising to the people around there. We see the faith of the widow in the situation where her son is raised. We also see the questions of the disciples of John the Baptist as they seek to see who they're supposed to be following. But most importantly, I think we have this lesson that takes place here with the sinful woman being forgiven. This woman comes into Jesus's midst and is seemingly ridiculed by the people around her for doing what she's doing. And in addition to that, Jesus is also somewhat ridiculed because if he were truly a prophet, he would want nothing to do with this sinful person, which brings us to an important discussion that we should have today. What this story displays to us is that the religious leaders of the time felt that Jesus was above the sins of this person and should have had nothing to do with that person. But instead, Jesus displays through his actions as well as his teaching that he came for people who understand the depth of the sin that they have as an affront to God. And so when people like this religious leader, this Pharisee Simon, as he's named in the passage, come and think that Jesus should understand the sins of people and have nothing to do with them, Jesus says, actually, it's the opposite. You see, I came for such people, people who understand the depths of their sins. And I believe that that gives us a nugget of truth that we should be focusing on today in our lives, understanding that whatever the sins are in our life, they're an affront to God and we need to repent of those sins, that we understand that we're humbly coming before Jesus, who now has died on the cross for our sins, and we are accepting what he has offered for us because he took that penalty for us in our place. And so as we think about that, we need to understand that all of our sin is the same in God's eyes. And while this person clearly is described as a sinful person, person whose sins were known by the people around them, uh, we don't really live necessarily always fully in that situation today where people know all of the sins that we have. In fact, as we've talked about previously in the podcast, the majority of the sins that we have take place in our mind and in our heart, and we don't even allow them to get out into the open, oftentimes only for fear of being judged by the people around us. But that doesn't mean that we are not in need 
of an understanding of how much we truly owe Jesus. Because that's what this centers on. It says, who will love him more? When we look back at that parable, that question is saying, who is going to love Jesus more? It's the person who understands the large debt that God has canceled for them. And so our understanding of the significance of our sin, as it is an affront to God, no matter what it is, even the small sins, understanding the depth of that sin and how that is in relationship to our standing with God is going to determine how much we love him. Because when we see this total sinfulness of our sin and our inability to pay for that ourselves, our inability to do anything with that in and of what we are thinking we can do, will show us how great the love of Christ is. It will show us how great the sacrifice of Jesus is and will hopefully create in us a reciprocal love for him because of the depths of what we understand he's done for us. And so as I think about today, I can think of no greater nugget for us to pull from this passage than for us to truly begin to grasp and understand how much we have been forgiven and not to compare ourselves to people that we think are sinners around us, but to understand, no, all of my sin is so significant in the eyes of God that it was enough to send Jesus to die on the cross for me. So I should live in light of that reality, in light of the sacrifice that he has made on my behalf, and that should draw me to love him and to love God even more for what he's done in my life. For the question for today that we're going to look at, let's center in here on verse 32, where it talks about these children in the marketplace are calling to one another, and then it uses this little song of sort to display that the people weren't responding the way that they should have been responding. And so if the kids are playing the flute, that means it's a chipper, really joyous song that they would want to display dancing or shouting or other things that are in relation to upbeat music. But when it says here, dirge, that's the common question. Hey, what's a dirge? What's it talking about here? It's it's basically, it's a funeral song. And so if they're playing this or singing this song about the funeral, then they should weep. But the whole teaching is displaying, and what I really wanted to answer by the question of, hey, what's up with this thing is, is the Jewish people didn't respond to either way. When they were told, hey, you should be rejoicing, they're not rejoicing. When they're told, hey, you should be weeping, they're not weeping. It goes on to show the depths of the hardness of the hearts of the Jewish people. As John has come in one way, Jesus has come in another way. Either way, they don't want to respond to what God is saying. And so a lot of questions there about, hey, what's happening? What's going on here? We don't really have marketplaces. We don't really have things like that that take place. But when we hear chipper, happy music, that should lead us to dance and rejoice. When we hear sad music, it often brings about the emotions of weeping. That's what this is talking about here. So as you look through this passage, if you find a question that you have, speak about that question with other people. Seek to find the answer to that question. Study God's word together. And as you do, you'll grow in your knowledge of him and hopefully your love of him as well. Know as you do that today, you were loved. You're